Welcome to episode 21 of Blue Jays Happy Hour Live. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoden, and we are coming to you after truly a grim and cursed road trip. This game on Sunday in particular, Stoughton. I, I don't have a good synonym for cursed here. You know, the <laughs> amount of things that went haywire. And, no, like we're talking about an equipment failure, the cost of Blue Jays two runs. Uh, I guess you got to give Vladdy an error on that to, you know, I guess for the pitcher's benefit, uh, for people who are really into relief ERA. Um, just wild stuff. Moreno not getting that pop up in fair territory. And I don't know. It's interesting you hear the commentator say, well, oh, you know, that's kind of a tough play and he's backpedaling. And it's like, give me the numbers on how many pop-ups in front of the plate happen <laughs> and how many do not get caught because like i don't want to hear for one second that that's a difficult play when i'm sure the numbers are going to tell and I, like i'm i don't know i'm not saying that like if i were doing it or some person off the street that there wouldn't be pitfalls involved but when you're talking about mlb caliber players uh and i, I i'm not trying to stick it down moreno's throat because he's a talented kid and he's going to be good defensively for his career or whatever but it's not a difficult play. It's a play that you just absolutely have to make. And, I mean, the Vladdy one kind of is what it is. Uh, but that one in particular stands out as a sore thumb. Like, that's bad play. And sometimes uh, bad play costs you. And sometimes you kind of get away with it. It's a double play the next pitch. Or you just kind of get out of the inning. And it kind of goes unnoticed and untalked about. So it's sort of unfair to Moreno in this case. Because it just kind of got magnified by the fact that that's what cost them the game. But... You can't have that. No, you can't. That was really bad. Um, uh, I saw some people talk, you know, that, that uh, the other infielders have to get the ball. It's easier for them uh, to pick it up. Uh, sure, but I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> like, that's just not a play you see happening. Um, I definitely saw people talking about why is Adam Simber in there uh, for a second inning facing Carlos Santana, a guy who you know, hits from the left, the left side. Um it, and that's another thing you could get away with, and I don't think Santana has slugged particularly well against uh, right-handed pitching this year. And uh, you know, I'm sure there are flashcards and various things that are telling them that's the the right play to make. But that one sort of, you know, uh, it, it sticks. It, it sticks out as well a little bit. Um, but see, the unfortunate thing is, the, which is part of the nature of this stupid sport we all uh, at times love, though maybe not as much right now for a lot of people as others. Um, is that it's just like every, I mean, every game you sort is you reset it back to zero kind of like you're it, there, there is not like, you can't just choose to go. It's like, wow, we're going to, we're going to outcompete them tonight. We're going to go and, and that, which is always just stupid in other sports too. I and mean, this is against, you know, I, I told myself I wasn't going to like talk about the, <laughs> use the, use the hockey framework and talk about how, I, how the, the hockey folks, uh, want to see the coach changed and, uh, it will kind of shake it up. Uh, but, uh, you know, there is some, there's some of that going on. Uh, and you, uh, you know, you just, you can't, I don't know. You, you can't, it's just, it's, it's just every game is a, is a reset to zero and you're, you're not going to be able to outcompete teams. You have to just have things go your way. Uh, and there's a lot of that in this sport where things don't go your way, where luck is like, is, is such a huge factor. Um, and it amplifies good things, and it amplifies bad things. And uh, uh, right now, it's been amplifying bad things a lot for the Blue Jays. But that's, uh, that doesn't mean that they're, you know, a perfect team being undone by bad luck. There's obviously roster construction problems. There's also obviously been execution problems. Um, case in point, that dropped pop up. 
you know, Tim Mesa looked looked brutal. Um, got through it with uh, <laughs> maybe as little damage as he could have. Uh, I think it was a tough play, the one that came off his glove, but just couldn't couldn't throw strikes with the slider. Um, you know, there's lots there's lots that can be talked about. I don't think firing the manager is the answer. I know people love the idea of there's a, of there being a shakeup. I know people love the idea of there being uh, you know it'll make it if there's a, if I can point my finger at somebody for something, then it makes kind of sense to me. And I think people's brains have a hard time with the the notion of there not being a finger at a point when something bad happens. But uh, a lot of this bad stuff, I think there's not a lot of fingers to point, except for me, mostly towards, you know, who who is in the bullpen and how long that's been an issue. And uh, maybe some of the swing, the swing selection uh, from the hitters, which... Uh, I mean, it's just we're having the same conversation, which we always do. It's the same conversation over and over again whenever there's a little bit of a skid. Uh, and so here we are again. Oh, I'm still here. Nick has, uh, Nick has disappeared. Uh, let, me, uh, let me find him and bring him back in. Um, oh, there he is right there. Pardon us. This is uh, live radio here. All right. Sorry I think about we're... that. Normally it's our, <laughs> our listeners that provide some kind of audio hiccup, but I'm happy to fill that role for today. Um, no, as you said, like it is kind of frustrating to have those same conversations about how this is a sport that invites patience. And I was, you know, I was at a barbecue yesterday in Tottenham, Ontario. I don't think that's an important detail, but shout out Tottenham. <laughs> um, and I was talking to someone who was a, kind of a casual fan and they were talking, yeah, kind of in terms of despair about where this team is at and how bad things are. And like you said, how Montoya needs to go. And yeah, well, the way that what I came down on the end of it was, it is a, a game that asks you to be patient and that's not easy for any human being. I don't think we're necessarily wired for patience as a species. And you have these situations like right now we have this moment in time where the Baltimore Orioles are two games behind the Blue Jays and we can talk a little about the Orioles uh, in this podcast, but I don't think anyone really believes the Orioles are within the same realm of the Blue Jays in terms of current 2022 talent and prognosis. Like, this is just a situation where we have caught the Blue Jays at their lowest possible ebb, and we have caught the Orioles at the hottest of the hot that they're ever going to be. And maybe I'll sound like an idiot in two months, the Orioles are in a wild card spot, but I'm pretty confident in that assessment of the situation. And like you said, it doesn't mean that it's just luck. There are real flaws on this team, and there are is the occasional head-scratching decision made by Montoyo, but... The Montoyo rage thing, you know, it ebbs and flows as well, but it seems like it's really come back. And I was actually informed of what was going on on morning radio because I'm not really a morning radio <laughs> person myself per se. But I was told that, you know, there's someone on there basically saying, oh, well, if the Blue Jays don't win the series in, in Seattle, you know, Montoyo's gone. And obviously that was based on no reporting whatsoever. It was just the, well, he has to be because I'm mad about it. And you know, it is a little bit of a, it can be a bit of a hockey mindset and I don't want to oversimplify and I don't want to be uh, the person who says, oh, well, Canadian baseball fans are unsophisticated. And I like to think we have a sophisticated audience in here live and afterwards. And, you know, I'm probably preaching to the choir, but it does seem like sometimes that 
maybe in the media, the more generalist media, that notion of like, oh, we got to shake up the room and get the boys firing uh, type of attitude kind of leaks in a little bit more than makes sense. Yeah, and I don't think you know. That's, I don't think that's. I, we say hockey because that's just so dominant here. I mean, you you don't you don't have to listen to like New York radio for very long to hear to hear the ver- their version of that. You don't have to listen to football stuff long. You know, you go to soccer and, and listen to what fans of teams say about uh, about their their managers and the people running those teams. I mean, it's it, it's universal. It's not just us. Um, but baseball is just a different game by its nature. I mean, but it, but the it, it does drive me nuts that we're yeah, like I like I the, the losing sucks and is not fun. But it's mo- it's not fun to talk about and to think about and write about, which is you know is sort of the thing. It's like I, you know Twitter is great when the team is going well. It's a big party, everybody's having a blast, and then everybody is just so so miserable. Um, and I think that that is that's natural, but it's also. It really does suck the fun out of it, and it's just it. It kills me that like literally a couple weeks ago, you know, when when Guillermo Martinez got uh, got suspended for for uh, uh, for uh, Doug Eddings for for like accosting him and, and confronting him on the field during the lineup exchange, we joke. I we I was joking at the time, and we talked about it like having. I think I tweeted about how look need a website that's which Blue Jays coach are we firing this week? Uh, and he was going to be spared for a while because Guillermo was uh, was and now you know oh these guys can't hit now maybe Charlie's the guy you don't hear as much about Pete because we haven't had to see you know Kikuchi for a little bit um, you know the and and it's just it's just it's endless and I, maybe the expectations were part of it but I you know I I tend to not think that I mean there is definitely. It's an easy crutch to be like, oh, we were promised this was going to be a contender, and now it's not, and that's that's terrible. Um, you know, I, I I don't think people really buy the, the. I don't think that that's how this works. I think that if they were expected to come close to contending, and and this has been happening, they would have not. Nobody would be any more satisfied with it. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it's just a drag, and it's a drag that it, it sucks because you know you have to know. That it's not going to last like this, uh, and we just sort of have to wait it out and wait for them to sort of figure it out. And then there are reasons to think that they will, that they of course will. You know, Garcia is back. Max Castillo put in a good performance. Bobuchet had a nice day at the plate. Finally, Vlad is Vlad. You know, there's lots. There's all the reasons to think that this was a good team. Most of them still exist, and and you know, there's there's lots more you can get out of those guys. Um, but this is just sort of how the sport works sometimes, and you can be like, well. Except for like this winning streak, they they're they're a sub five hundred team or they're a five hundred team. It's like, well, that's every team, you know. Yeah, the same we said for the Red Sox, they had their supreme hot streak. Yeah, I mean the Yankees are in a little bit of a different class, but they're kind of mucking up with teams that are good, not fantastic. That's the Red Sox were on their heels like like a week, like two weeks ago. And are now a game, two games ahead of them. Like the, the they are not playing well either. It's just that's the, that's that's what's happening. That's how the sport works. You lose four for ten, four of it. You lose four games out of every ten, and you win ninety-seven games, and you make the playoffs every single year. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point about you know you're going to get more to Vladi, you're going to get more to Bo, and certain players on the team we just know are going to perform better and you know nothing in life is a certainty but it's as close to a certainty as you can get and when people are feeling really down about this team or Montoyo in particular i think what you need to ask yourself is what in the last 10 days 
has changed your mind other than the results? Because if it's just they lost X number of games in, in the last 10 days, that's not an, a good enough answer to explain why this is going to be a bad team going forward or this is a bad manager that needs to be fired. If you can answer that question with, okay, here are seven moves that Montoya made and they all like not only had bad results but were totally stupid and the process was bogus, then I'm more amenable to that argument. If you can tell me, oh, in the last 10 days, X, Y, and Z uh, player got injured and they're going to be out for an extended period of time, or I don't know, like it'd be pretty hard for you to totally sell me on a hitter as junk in that period of time. Like, oh, well, they really figured out that you can only throw, you can throw him 100 pence sliders and he's just useless. I don't know. It would be almost impossible to do that. But when you want to be really down on a team, or, you know, even when you want to be super positive about a team, because sometimes I find that equally obnoxious, to be honest, when people are <laughs> sure. unrealistic in that direction. Think to yourself, like, what has happened recently that changes the long-term prognosis of this thing? Um, because otherwise, if you're going to live and die on those fluctuations, like, it's a long season. And some people are, and it's inevitable, but it's a long season. I think you're going to wear yourself out if you absolutely live and die on, you know, every every pitch, every win, every loss, like that you need to be able to at least step back occasionally and take a longer view of it. And I think when you do that, the Blue Jays are not in an ideal spot, but they're also, you know, they're not in the total dumps either. Like they're in the thick of contention and their next winning streak could start as soon as Tuesday. This is a thing for me. Yeah. Like they're going to, they're going to, they're going to win a couple series in a row. And people are going to forget all about this kind of moment. Like that's, that's because that's what happens all the time. I'm not promising wins in the next series. They could slump into the all-star break, but, but it like, it's just, there's too much, there's too much talent here. And there's too, too like bad teams win too much. If this is somehow fundamentally a bad team, they'll still win a bunch. Uh, and the thing is that they're not. So I don't know. We, uh, we got a caller. We have Oz Rob here. Uh, oh, the legend yeah. himself. Let's hear it. Just got to unmute there, Rob. Yep. Hey, yes. guys. Thank you for joining us, man. I know, I'm sure that – what time is it there? Do I ask you this every time you call in? Pretty much, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's 9 in the morning, so it's civilized. Okay, okay. But I've, I haven't been able to, to, to call into these for a long time, so I'm glad for the opportunity. But It lost you there. Oh, there you go. It seems at the moment that you know maybe the way we should think about this is we're in a dogfight now for the last wild card spot, and rather than hoping to catch the Yanks, which I don't think is going to happen, or get the top wild card seed, maybe we just fight for the last wild card, and maybe we do better than that um, because we're in the fight for the last wild card. And but if you look at other teams like the Red Sox, like you mentioned, they're in disarray as well. They've got all sorts of pitching problems, um, so it's not just us. But I think the thing that worries me the most is that at some point, all good teams need a long winning streak. And at the moment, we're ju- we just haven't got the starting rotation to support a long winning streak. So I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, again, Castillo, I think was, was pretty interesting today. I, I don't know that that's going to be the long term answer, but it's, it's nice to have something to be encouraged by after, you know, what we've seen since basically since Canada Day. Um, and yeah, I, I I think you're I, I think you're right. I mean, I think the teams with with worse rotations can have long winning streaks too. I mean, Ross Stripling will have a nice a nice outing. You get one from Castillo. You always can count on a good one from Manoa. Uh, Barrios, we we hope has taken the step forward. 
sounds like Gosman's going to be back, uh, hopefully on Tuesday. You know, I I I don't hate I don't I, yeah I don't hate what the rotation is. I don't think that's impossible by any stretch. I think that um, you know there and that's just that's usually how it works too, right? It just ebbs and flows. It's not going to be two wins and a loss like over and over with consistency. So yeah, I, I think that could happen. I I I, I have no doubts that they could. To absolutely go on a tear and separate themselves from what's what is a flawed pack at the moment, like you say, with the Red Sox struggling, the Rays are not, the, the Rays just get swept by the Reds, like the like, and I think this is something too that when people get extremely miserable about their team is that uh, we get tunnel vision and we get so focused on our own team that we don't sort of. You, you only see the good out of the Red Sox. You only see what frightens you from, you know, why these teams are going to be so good. And it's harder, I think, to, to really pick out the flaws when you're watching a team that has its own flaws. And I, I think that it would, people would do well to, to pay closer attention to the, to like just how those, how those flawed those teams can be. And in the, the ways that they are flawed and, and, you know, follow some of the people that talk about them and watch the conversation about, you know, the red, I mean, there's probably not a lot of raised conversation, I guess, but, um, That's just but yeah, it's, a, it's, yeah, sorry, go on, go on. Well, I just, all I wanted to add to that, Rob, is that, yeah, I wouldn't be super pessimistic about the rotation, like Stoughton line uh, laid out, Gosman is great, Manoa is great. Barrios, like if you kind of take back his stats for any amount of time, it's always going to look bad because he just had those starts against the Brewers and White Sox that were just an absolute bomb to his numbers. But if you think about just number of good starts, like five of his last starts have been really good. And he had those, and I'm not saying that you can just take those ones away and they mean nothing, but it, there does seem to be a little bit of a positive trajectory in his consistency. And we'll get to this later in the show, but there's also the idea that they could add somebody. Like, we're not too far from the trade deadline here as well. So the idea that this team doesn't have a starting rotation supporting that winning streak, if the offense is going, I think that they could now, but more so, you know, into August and September, if they make an addition, that might be even more feasible as well. All right. Thank you so much, Rob. You got anything else? No, I think um, I was just going to sort of say, if you guys had a crystal ball, what do you think the first move we're going to make is going to be? Whew. That's tough, but I mean, I, I've been saying the bullpen's priority for a long time. I think that you know they've kind of shown their hand a little bit with the you know, scrap heap acquisitions of, of Romo and, and Banda. So uh, I think they're going to have to do something bigger and better there, especially if uh, if our friend Tim Mesa maybe hasn't. I joked on Twitter, maybe he has a neck strain because uh, <laughs> for, for a couple outings now has kind of looked like maybe he needs a little bit of a, a rest here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but that's cool. I'll, I'll leave it to the rest of the callers. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks so much for calling. Dick, you have any more on the priority or what? what no, do you I mean, think I, I think the bullpen would be the first port of call. It's the easiest. There's the most teams that are probably willing and able to sell you that. Like there's a starting um, pitcher market that's going to heat up, but so many teams are desperate for starting pitcher, and there's you know there's a relatively fewer number of guys that contending teams are actually interested in to be in the top four of the rotation. Like it isn't and massive pool that you can just wade into. So I imagine teams are going to really kind of wait out that market and find the best offer, find who's the most desperate. And one thing the Blue Jays don't do sometimes to the chagrin of the fan base is they don't really act in that desperate manner. Generally. Yeah, this is true. And I think a lot of teams don't, but we've talked about this a lot is that it would be nice to see them do that. But I, I, you know, the prices are extremely high still, you know, it's just, I mean, it, even just for revenue reasons, like teams are not, 
I'm not eager to to punt on the season before the All Star break. You know, they don't want they just they just don't want to do that. And not only does that get you know really getting your prices lower as the deadline approaches, not only does it uh, does it give the, the market more time to develop. Uh, you know, it just it puts more teams that you know more teams realize that they're sellers, accept that they're sellers, and then also I think are more okay with. Uh, with shutting it down for the rest of the year. Whereas, you know, you know, it's tough to ask your fans to go into the, the all-star break and watch a guy, you know, one of your better players be wearing another team's uniform there. All right. We got another caller here. We have Patrick. Yeah. Thanks so much, Patrick. Hey there. Can you hear me? Yeah. You're a little, a little quiet, quiet. Like, to be honest, but uh, oh, I think okay. we can make well, it work. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, First off, uh, I'll just say, like, I don't think that we uh, need to fire Charlie or anything. Um, but uh, I just kind of wanted to hear your your guys' take. It's not so much a question, but, like, I've seen people, you know, saying that firing him would, you know, like, light a fire uh, under the players or make them play with urgency. And, like, I just don't know if, like, the Jays have done – any of the players have really done anything that – makes it seem like they're losing because they're not, like, trying or because they don't want to win or because they're not, like, playing with urgency. And I also feel like a lot of the time, if you ask, like, what what's going wrong at the plate, it's like they're trying too hard or, you know, like they're playing with too much urgency in a way. So I feel like totally rocking the boat and, like, firing a manager that, as far as we know, the players like, unless he's done anything crazy, like, no one's out here writing the ship is sinking or anything like that. Um, so I just don't, I don't know what you guys think of that line of thinking. Like it'll make the players play harder to fire the manager. Cause I just don't see it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate the, the question. Yeah. I'm with you. Like I, uh, I'm sure there are times when that, when that's a thing. Um, I'd find it kind of childish. Like you're taking the, you're taking the toy away to get the kids to focus on something. And I don't know that that's the thing that modern players will respond that well to. And as, as are, and maybe they never did. And I, you know, I think a lot of times you fire the manager and then like regression to the mean happens. Right. I saw somebody on Twitter tweet, like, re, uh, like quote tweeted or, or caught a picture of the Jays. I think it was 2008 or whatever, which maybe 2000, whatever your Gibby got fired for the first time. And then Cito came in and Cito had like, the record under Cito was much better. And it's like, yeah, but that's like, that's just, that was going to happen probably anyway to me. And yeah, the lighting of fire kind of thing. Uh, no, I don't get it. And also, yeah, if you hear, like I thought Teoscar Hernandez had uh, great comments about Charlie being his friend and not just, he doesn't think about him as a manager. And I assume spoke for a lot of guys there. Um, you know, the Blue Jays have always really seemed clear, clearly to love this guy. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm here, out here in Peterborough. I'm not like around the team. Uh, Nick, you, you have been more than I have, but, uh, um, but yeah, I get the sense that it, it, it would be mind boggling if they made a change there, especially as I said on Twitter earlier, uh, in light of the, the Budzinski thing. And there are, you know, the team's going to the, the funeral on, on Monday, uh, during their off day, and that that's still that's that wound is still really fresh, and that's still you know a big thing that maybe they're not you know distracted by that per se, you know thinking about it every minute, but also it's disruptive, and this is a team that you know this is a sport that's built a lot on routines, and that and the pitching being you know going sideways and Gossman and all of that stuff is sort of 
wrapped up into into what's been a, a really really bad week. But I do think, yeah, you need some perspective, and I suspect that the folks at the top have that perspective uh, more so than a lot of the people on Twitter. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned with the Budzinski situation, like it would be completely classless and ridiculous to fire him sort of literally now. Uh, yeah, I don't worry about this team and the level of kind of desire and competitiveness and all those things. One, because we kind of talked a little bit about the nature of baseball before, and it's really hard to out-try other teams, and there's no corners to go into and grind with, and there's no, like, making sure you have four hats on the ball and all that stuff. Uh, it doesn't really work like that in baseball. But also, you know, this is a young group who hasn't been there before, and they're still in the thick of the fight. Like, there's not... It's hard to envision the players on this team, this core, checking out because they still have everything to fight for. They still haven't really been there before. I mean, 2020 is kind of a different situation. Um, it's a very aspirational group. Like when I think of a team that checks out, I think of a group of veterans and they get off to a really bad... St- I kind of think, I'm not accusing these players of this necessarily, but I kind of think of like the 2018 Blue Jays, like sure. a bunch of guys who are kind of past their prime a little bit and they get out to a terrible start, and it's clear they just don't quite have it down the stretch to make a run, and there's just nothing to push them, and it's easy to, I don't know. And again, I'm not saying those guys didn't run hard or they didn't try their best or whatever, but it would be easy to envision a scenario where the competitiveness can leak out slightly, and I just don't see any of the hallmarks of that type of situation with the 2022 team. Yeah, and I, I think that you know, not seeing things is a is a huge thing, and that goes to the Charlie stuff too. But but also that it's like, you know, we don't see what they do behind closed doors. We don't see the work that they're putting in, or the desire that they have to get out of it. I'm sure it's killing all of them more than it is than it is us. And you know that 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 gets super weird. I mean, that gets into like block or mute territory for me on Twitter when it's like, you know, when people are, are, are like, oh, they're just, they're, they're dogging it out there. They're not, they're not running out balls. They're not, they're being lazy. And it's like, just the, just, just the, the audacity to think that you can read into that and see that through your TV is, is, is absurd to me. Because uh, I'm sure they're working real hard, and I think that you know a lot of the people were, were like, "Oh, players only meeting. Oh, they're shutting out Charlie." Because people have this weird thing where they they are really as nice and as much as they can like him, and when the times are good, there's something in there that they just really, really are are going to be gleefully you know kicking him out the door whenever they see an opportunity, which sucks and is weird. But I definitely got a sense that some people were like, "Oh, well, Charlie, the players only. Wow." So. So they're going so above the manager's games, head. Yeah. Like when something, yeah. you know, when a team has a really rough stretch, if anything, that's kind of like a lame, cliched, desperate move to do. But teams do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, you know, and, and sometimes, I mean, they, they're, they're on, they're on the plane. They're, you know, they're, they're together in places other than the clubhouse. Like I know that that's sort of the work environment, but like, I don't know, maybe there's probably ways to, to say what needs to be said that doesn't get out to the media, but it's, it is a way to be like, Hey, we're fucking trying here. Like this, we're, we're mad about this and are trying to sort it out. Um, which is a message I think that that would that is, it would be useful to to put out there right now because there's definitely uh, a strain of people who are of of it that 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 doesn't feel that way and that just doesn't understandably doesn't handle watching the loses the losses as well watching them pile up watching games that feel listless it does suck a lot to watch every day finding new ways to lose but um, you know 
there's these stretches just they just they happen that we have these conversations every year and it, also when you think about this iteration of the blue jays like if you think of who would be that guy who would stand in front of a bunch of microphones and say you know this is shit right now and we're in a tough stretch but and kind of aggressively say like we're giving it our all and we're going to be okay like i'm kind of thinking of you know, I can imagine Russell Martin doing that in, you know, 2015. 20, and I'm not saying that there's a lack of leadership. I'm saying a lot of the biggest leaders on this team are primarily Spanish speaking. That's part of it. And some of the guys you'd think of like George Springer, like we had his mic'd up thing the other day. Like he's a hilarious guy and like, but it's hard to envision him kind of staring down the barrel of a camera and being all serious about that. Like it's just a different character of team. That's not what they're about just because they're more laid back and, you know, seem to take things less seriously. Sometimes that's just a personal characteristic of humans. That doesn't mean that they care less or, um, yeah, that they're not as invested in the outcome. Yeah, and I think that that's also a, a characteristic that the, the Blue Jays have intentionally cultivated, right? Because they think that that helps to not have somebody, you know, who's beating himself up uh, about stuff like this. And, uh, I mean, that's not always been that way. I was just reading something because Brandon Drury got snubbed for the all-star game so far. He may still make it, but, uh, he's having a great year with Cincinnati, which is, you know, he just needed a little bit of runway or whatever it is. Ross Atkins said a few years ago, um, which didn't work they here, gave but him plenty of runway. To they did. Yeah. They were more than enough. Nobody needed to see more than that. I, and then, you know, he's like, there were a couple in organizations, at least one other organization in between here and Cincinnati for him, I think too. Um, and yeah, no, I, nobody should be, be pining for that though. It is interesting. I think to, uh, that like, okay, maybe the Jays knew a little bit more there than, than they got credit for. Uh, it just didn't sort of show up, but he was a guy who had that, uh, reputation as like he's a gym rat he's really intense uh and part of what he sort of diagnosed there was a c trent rosecrans piece for the athletic about you know what has happened this year to cause you know to have him break out uh part of it was trying to not beat himself up so much and and not you know and not like dwell on that and that is some that's something that the jays have kind of tried to get out of the room and you know, and it's like, it's like the Charlie thing. It's like the, I mean, he's doing it a little more this year, but it's like the, why doesn't he get ejected thing? And it's like, well, he's not there to be that guy. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely valid. Before we get out of here, I want to touch on some of the newsier stuff. Cause I think we've been pontificating on sort of the nature of vibes for a while um, here. And some things did occur between uh, when we talked last one of them is the Kikuchi scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like every podcast we have, like I just have a line that says Kikuchi situation. Um, <laughs> and we just expound on that. Uh, honestly, you know, it's the next strain, which is quickly becoming famous. Uh, is that the best option? You know, maybe we, it's something we talked about before. Like you can't really send him down to the minors. He doesn't have bullpen utility. And, you know, you could potentially get a rehab outing out of him and you can find ways to bring this along it's interesting because you know a neck is something that is in theory and it's an important part of the body so Mm -hmm. if you wanted to continue to say oh well you know the neck's not coming along as we'd like you know everyone needs to hold up their head so um, (laughs) what are you going to do about it i I think it's a really funny fake injury to be honest i think it's really funny that they've done it twice and it's the same thing uh it's you never heard, have never heard of this before. It would just be so, I don't know, it would be so easy to say he turned his ankle in warm-ups. You know what I mean? Or he's got a thigh contusion. 
But to go back to the well for the exact same fake injury twice in like six weeks is just a lack of creativity in my book. (laughs) And it's just sort of thumbing their nose at the system a little bit too. That just allows them to, uh, you know, doctor has to sign off on this stuff. And that's sort of an interesting background with the Kikuchi thing. Like, right after one of his terrible starts, there have of course been many, I forget which one, because there have been so many. Uh, I think the first one where he was really, really missing badly with the fastball, though, uh, you, the, the, that's relative because he's been doing that all year. But he was like, "Oh, I feel healthy. I feel fine." And it's like, "Well, okay, that's that's not helping." And to you know, to go on a rehab assignment, you need consent from the player, uh, which is something I wrote about about how you know maybe there's a path to get him to you know you could once you're in the, well, a rehab assignment can be up to thirty days for a pitcher, so they keep him shut down long enough they can get him to the end of August, and then there's an extra spot at least, and you can hide him. Uh, without having to fudge things as much and still have, you know, you're still playing a man short, basically. Uh, I mean, ideally, like, there's enough time that ideally he'll get himself uh, right by then, but also uh, that's a scenario you got to be prepared for at this point is to, like, what you're going to do with them because I don't, I don't see, the, the contract is front-loaded. There's only two, there's only $20 million left after this year. Um, but, but that's still a lot of money uh, for them to, to give up on and to do so at a moment where, uh, people are don't seem quite as confident, I think, in them as they uh, maybe were uh, four or five months ago. So, um, so yeah, that that's interesting. How the, the fake injury has been handled, how he's actually gone along with it. Um, you know, <laughs> I might have impressed upon him. Like, uh, this is like the safety of other players at this point because I like the hidden guys is not good. Nobody wants that, and you are kind of in not a great spot if you can't throw your fastball without potentially putting it in somebody's face. Like nobody wants to see the sport like that. So, um, you know, uh, it sucks from a depth point of view. It sucks from the roster numbers because he's going to have to come back. Uh, Castillo looked fine. Hopefully, he can. You know, he's getting another. He's going to get another start, obviously. Um, and after that, maybe you know, maybe there's a replacement. Maybe. Maybe he, you know, continues to shove. That would be great. But uh, there is at least a way to sort of work around this for now. But it is going to come back. Yeah, I mean, and with Kikuchi, I don't think you want to give up on him necessarily. No, that's not what people want to hear. But you know, maybe this year just ain't happening. But you bring him back with a full spring training, and you can figure some stuff out. The talent is still there. You know, as far as Max Casillo, we didn't really talk about him much off the game. you know, he's fine. He, you know, he's just kind of throwing fastballs and changeups out there, and neither of them are crazy impressive to me. Two whiffs today in 59 pitches, not, you know, not exactly yeah. ideal. He's had some contact against him. I don't know. I don't want to put him in too bad a spot because he's come up to the major leagues with pretty limited high minors experience and he's held his own. Um, but he's just, you know, we've talked about this before. They're guys that, are only as good as their next outing. And, you know, if he gets bombed in his next start, I wouldn't be itching to give him another one after that. Like he's, yeah, he's kind of living on the edge of a knife in terms of performance and maybe he can extend that leash and he'll earn that. But I don't know. He, for me, he's not a guy where I'm like, Oh, we got to see what we have in Castillo over a long period of time. Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. Ideally Kikuchi comes back and is fine. Or you add a starter and Castillo goes and, and does the long man thing, which, has become abundantly clear they need a long man right like they they at the best of times they're not just the, the bullpen is is shaky and a guy who can go a bunch of innings will uh will go a long way pardon the pun yeah absolutely um and one of those guys 
uh, just kind of as a final thing before we wrap up here. And to be fair, this is going to happen a lot in the run-up to the trade deadline. We're going to have rumors and sort of, you know, if you want a blanket overall statement about rumors, uh, you can safely ignore them a lot of the time and there's reason they're put out and teams want leverage and yada, yada, yada. That being said, this is a podcast. This is a take economy. So uh, when you get the Blue Jays linked to a, a significant player, that we're probably going to touch on that. And Ken Rosenthal saying the Blue Jays are in on Pablo Lopez, which is definitely an interesting name and a guy who's had a lot of success this season and is also has a couple of years of control as well. So someone who's definitely not going to come cheap. When you hear the the name Pablo Lopez as a Blue Jays target, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a great target. I, you know, the price obviously a concern, um, but this is a win now team, and the farm system is uh, is robust. Uh, I think that they can get a guy like that, and he like yeah. I mean, you're, there there will be there will be pain to whichever team acquires him if that's the route that the Marlins choose to go. Uh, but yeah, really good pitcher. I think that uh, obviously. Uh, the extra years of control is really interesting. I think, you know, to me, I, I mean, it, it, the, it's evolved, I guess, obviously, just because of what's happened with the team this year. Earlier, I was definitely thinking more along the lines of rentals for the, uh, for the starting pitching uh, vacancy or, or situation that they had, you know, which, is, which was at the time more about, like, getting Ross, uh, Ross Stripling back into the bullpen and, and having someone to pitch behind Kikuchi, which, you know, Obviously, that's changed, but uh, and I think I looked at the time to 2020 when they got Taiwan Walker and they got Robbie Ray uh, for like nothing, and that maybe being the route that they would take with the the, the rotation. And that still wouldn't surprise me if that's where they go because they have such a strong front three, uh, and also because Stripling has been going so well. But the depth is not there, so maybe you know maybe they sort of hedge between. Uh, like getting a full fledged starter, but also you know Ryu's not going to give them nothing, anything next year. They don't have. You know, you don't. You're not going to see Ricky Tiedemann in the big league rotation next April. Uh, perhaps not next year at all. Uh, you know, Yasmer Zuleta, like all of those guys, really, really intriguing guys. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, so yeah, having a guy like Lopez would be, I think, uh, a great addition. And maybe one of those guys would have to go to Miami in order to make that happen. But uh, for a team in the Blue Jays position, which is a win now team, which is a team that's you know, clinging for the moment to a playoff spot, but firmly it is a, a playoff worthy team and is going to have to, you know, tighten things up. But like, it would be absurd for them to fall out of the race, uh, even as bad as it's been this last week. Um, yeah, all for it. Yeah, he's an interesting one as an individual pitcher. Like as a premise, absolutely. I think that you do kind of have to open the floodgates and let some prospects you don't want to let go go in order to make this happen. Like they have three starters right now. They sort of have three three starters for 2023 as well that we know of. And, and in that way, Lopez is appealing because he you know he fits a short, medium, and you know quasi long term hole. He scares me a little bit from a health perspective. Like he's never made a bunch of starts and pitched a bunch of innings. Like this is kind of one of the healthier seasons he's had, you know, at 99 innings, his career high at the MOB level is 111.1. His career high at any, for any pro season is 145.1. So, uh, you know, given the acquisition cost, he's someone I'd almost rather was a, was a rental, like all of his skill set exactly the same but he's a rental and you pay less for him and you're tied to him for less amount of time. Um, that might be 
a little bit more palatable to me, but you know, he's an, he's a great pitcher. And if you had him on your staff, you definitely would not be sad about that. Uh, you know, many Yasver Zuleta update, uh, because we touched on him in the podcast before you just mentioned him. He's a pet project for me. Last start, <laughs> four innings, two hits, one run, two walks, eight strikeouts. Um, so that was his second start in double A. I'm not going to mention his first start. It didn't go great, uh, but he's trending wildly upwards and a uh, <laughs> huge part of the Blue Jays. In the well, New his year. last – was his first start <laughs> – was that – no, that was – it was Chris Sale's second start where he had where he, where he had his little tantrum, right? That wasn't the Zulada one, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you read Chris Sale's comments about his tantrum, <laughs> but they're pretty wild. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, I don't actually like kick things and throw things anymore. And I know how to not hurt myself when I act like a three-year-old kid. And uh, and it's your fault for filming me. That was basically his take. Yeah. Very weird. Not, yeah. Chris Red Hill, flag. not the best. Not the best guy. Good pitcher. Not a yeah. Guy. I, a lot of Red Sox fans seem to not be real thrilled about it as well, which is, you know, he's, he's done some very good things for that organization. But, yeah, it does seem like a bit of an idiot. And – uh People get mad at guys who get hurt. So there you go. All right. Well, well, Chris Sale is an idiot. We can probably be more comfortable in that take than many of the others that we've uh, <laughs> said today. We appreciate you guys all listening in live and whoever listens later on your various podcast platforms, you know what they are. Uh, we appreciate you doing all the things, subscribing, rating, reviewing all that noise. And we will probably be back with you next Tuesday and Friday. Uh, that is a preliminary plan, but uh, we will keep you posted if something changes. That's a lot of peas. And <laughs> on. Not great for podcasting. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Indeed we will. Thank you, everybody.